baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Just before we get to quick takes, just a couple of uh, texts that came in uh, talking about whether the pushback against DEI and affirmative action are signs of actual progress in racial relations, as I was arguing, too. Uh, Hey, Adam, I agree that we made great progress and we need to continue to work hard to further that progress. However, people now may nominate and eventually elect once again a president who has had dinner with known white supremacists. Doesn't seem like that is going to help matters much. That's from Matthew, and this is from uh, Michelle in Richfield. Good morning. I listen to the MLK Breakfast and would encourage everyone to watch the stream today. As a white person, I learned from today's program and will strive to learn more, read more, listen more. I enjoyed what Marley Dias had to say. She was the uh, keynote speaker, 19 years old, by the way. Uh, We have a long way to go in accepting all and being a national community. That's from Michelle in Richfield, Minnesota. Uh, Very well stated, uh, Michelle. Also, Dr. Williams, who was moderating that conversation, will be with me. Will be here in studio. I'm going to ask him that first question. Okay, doctor, am I crazy to think that what we're seeing in society today is actual sign of progress? We'll see what he has to. He may tell me, you know what, Adam, you're crazy. (laughs) That'll be a good jumping-off point for uh, for the interview. Well, as we know, the Vikings season is in the rear view mirror. What? But two other NFC North teams. Vikings play other, today? What no, time? No, no, no oh, they're done. Right. They're home. They're watching like you from the couch. Uh, two other teams from the division are alive, though. The Lions outlasted the Rams 24-23 yesterday. Yeah. And the Packers put up an impressive How about that? 48 points in a win over the Cowboys. That means Crushed next the weekend the Packers will be in San Francisco. The Lions will play the winner of tonight's. Eagles Bucks game. Yep. Both teams trying to get to the championship. Probably the Eagles game. tonight. I think the Eagles will probably win tonight. You think so? Okay. I could be wrong, but. So you think it's going to be Lions Eagles? I think so. Uh, which team from the NFC North, the Packers or Lions, has a better chance of advancing further? Oh, now, weekend? you know, if you asked me that, if you would have asked me that uh, <laughs> 24 hours 24 ago, 24 hours ago, I said, not even close. Yeah. It's the Lions. I'll still lean towards the Lions, okay. but man. Uh, Jordan Love, and I'll get into this with Brian Murphy in about 20 minutes. How many Viking fans yesterday were watching Jordan Love and just going, oh, God. All. They have another good (laughs) quarterback. Oh, no. And also, by the way, I heard Henry and Vanita talking about this this morning and Steve Simpson. You look at the NFC North. I mean, the Lions are trending up. Packers, obviously, trending up. Yeah. And uh, Bears even trending up because they're going to get a couple of first-round picks, so. Mm -hmm. Viking fans should be a little, little worried about the next uh, several years. But, uh, yeah, I still lean Lions, but, boy, because the Packers face the 49ers, who I still think are the best team uh, in the NFC. But never know. Jordan Love, man. Think about the fact that it's possible that the NFC championship game is Packers-Lions. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? That'd be, I guess it'd be cool. It'd be kind of heartbreaking, but also yeah. Heartbreak, pretty, pretty interesting. Sad, pathetic, yeah. and kind of cool. That's the new promo for our show. 
Sad, pathetic, and kind of cool. Utilities in Minnesota are calling on residents to turn down their thermostats due to the rise in demand for natural gas and extreme cold that's making its way across the country. XL Energy and Centerpoint Energy have each recommended reducing heat through at least Tuesday, noting that spot prices for natural gas are spiking due to the rapid demand in cold weather and excessive usage. Uh, For example, Centerpoint recommends lowering your thermostat to 65 during the day and 60 overnight or when you're not. Mm -hmm. Adam, will you oblige and lower your thermostat? My wife does turn down the thermostat uh, every day when she leaves, I think, because there's been days where I've come home and it's like, gosh, it's cold in here. And especially this time, it can get unbearable. I mean, it's like... I don't have an insulated garage, so, like, we had to move all the, you know, we have, like, cases of pop and stuff out in the garage. We had to move all that in because otherwise mm-hmm. they, they were freezing up. But I, I can, I, I don't mind it. I can, I can layer in the house and deal with it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll oblige by that. Even lower than that. Like, I think it was, like, 58 one time in the oh, house. Geez. I'm like, okay, that's a little cool. <laughs> That's like when you're on vacation, maybe. Yes. That, but, yeah. Okay. Uh, I would try to do that in what my about house. about you? I would like to do that, and yep. I'll try, and then my wife will, like, turn it up to 72. 72? And then leave the house. That's too warm, 72. It's definitely too yeah. warm. I also might be exaggerating, but. Billionaire investor Bill Ackman announced yesterday that he's planning to support Dean Phillips. Ackman shared yep. on his uh, on social media that he'll be donating a million dollars to the Phillips campaign saying that he would truly make an outstanding president of the United States. Adam, does Dean Phillips, who we haven't heard a lot about or from recently, still have a path to being a factor in this year's I, d- I don't think so. Uh, as much as I would like somebody else to emerge, whether it's Dean Phillips or somebody else, um, I don't think so. And we'll get I'll get into this too uh, when we talk about the Iowa caucuses maybe next break, but it's just, it seems so futile. Like, even I was uh, had a little encouragement about, like, Nikki Haley. Okay, if she does well tonight, and then maybe could possibly even win New Hampshire, what does that do? But, I mean, even in her own state of South Carolina, she basically has no shot of winning. So, I, you know, things could dramatically change today. I don't anticipate that. But, no, I mean, it's good for Dean Phillips. Gives him a little more recognition here, but it's still, he's... I mean, he's been like a non-factor so far, so no. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about MLK Day. If you missed the breakfast, you can go back and uh, uh, catch the replay of that. MLK Day also means uh, a cold day with your kids home for a lot of parents. Yeah. The school is out of session today. Uh, my wife is home with our kids, and she was going to do a play date, and somebody invited her to go to one of these indoor playgrounds. Oh, yeah. And my wife just chuckled and said, no chance. No chance. Because, because <laughs> there's going to be a gonna be thousand there? snotty kids there. So uh, she said no to that. I guess they're just going to go to wow. someone's house for a play date or something like that, yeah. which I completely support her. Yeah. I would not. Like some of those places are cool, but not on the day that everyone Everybody's else gonna be is going to be. What did you do, Adam, when you had young kids and it was a holiday like this and it was cold outside? What did you do with your kids? Probably just stayed inside. I don't remember uh, doing any sort of uh, special activities. Did you parent your kids at all? Or of you course I parented time? my kids. But it's <laughs> like, you know, I can do that at home. Uh, but no, I, I 
Yeah, avoiding the crowded, I mean, in, kids always wanted to go, let's go to the mall, let's go to the rides in the mall, and like, it was like, oh, God, please. And But, yes, you have to do that every once in a while. Give in. You know what I would do today if I had my kids this what? afternoon? Ice fish? Uh, no. I would, and there's actually been a, there was a couple articles and a trend of this, uh, going to like a brewery instead of going to a kid's place. <laughs> and you go, and there's a lot of space for the kids to run around. Games, usually. Games, things to do. And and like the key to me is like they're big open spaces. A yes. lot of these breweries, the kids can run around. You can, you know, hopefully. If just, the brewery lets those kids run around. Uh, yeah, most of them do, though. Most of those breweries are they you do? Know, family friendly, kids, yeah. especially during the day. Yeah, Sometimes even pet friendly. My dad's just sucking up. down beers. Well, and no, you just have around. one and you bring some snacks and it's a good, uh, it's a good day. Yeah. Yeah, somebody texted that, too, bringing up, you know, talking about the thermostat rule. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota has a new law that 68 degrees in rental properties, they have to be at least 68 degrees, and it seems that landlords have no power to conserve in cold weather. Oh. I, I'd like to, i, I got to read up on that law to make sure that's exactly what it is, because I'm thinking, like, if somebody's not at home or if maybe the resident doesn't want to have it at 68, they'd be able to turn that down. Um, but I'd have to read that. Lots of people chiming in on the heat topic. Uh, let's get to uh, to the Iowa caucuses next because we should be celebrating the fact that we're starting another presidential election. Who the hell's celebrating today? It seems like we're marching towards a decision that nobody wants to make. Uh, we'll get to that next. I've raised this point many times, and I'll raise it again because it's the Iowa caucus today. Nobody, with the exception of very, very, very few people, are excited to be voting for either Donald Trump or Joe Biden. The vast majority of people who will place a vote in November, if it's Joe Biden and Donald Trump, will be doing so because they'll be voting against the other person, pure and simple. Because if you look at the polling numbers, you stack any other candidate against uh, Joe Biden, meaning Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, the polling suggests they would beat Biden easier, more easily than Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden. So what, what is the point of the Iowa caucus today? It is something that we should celebrate. And no, I don't mean like have parties for the Iowa caucus, but the, the idea of a presidential election every four years is the idea that we celebrate somebody we want to put into office or keep in office. And we're so far from that. I mean, when is the last time you've had an election where you're like, I'm talking about a presidential election where you are so excited to get out there and place your vote for a, a particular candidate? I think a lot of people felt that way about Barack Obama, and you could totally disagree with that, and I understand that, but I think he energized a lot of people to get out and vote for him because they felt hope and change. That was what they bought into. We're so far from that right now. If you polled, the vast majority of people would say, no, we don't want these two, but we're on this march towards inevitability that it's going to be Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So... What on earth is there to be excited about with the Iowa caucus and then the election moving forward? Is there any possibility 
that tonight, after uh, the votes are tabulated, by the way, in an antiquated system, we've got 1,600 meetings around the state of Iowa in frigid temperatures where folks basically write post-it notes and say, this is our guy. And they each have candidates, uh, representatives in there to give a last pitch. I mean, the concept is cool. Dave, you're shaking your head. We both agree. But, I mean, I think, I mean, that to me, that is a grassroots political system that harkens back to a simpler time when, yes, we would gather in rooms, in town halls, and discuss uh, various candidates and select candidates that way. Yes, and it harkens back to a simpler time when we didn't have a broken two-party system that was struggling <laughs> so hard to maintain control and keep any you know, challenger to that system out. Yeah. Um, so my question is this. What, I, what, why do you even care about the Iowa caucus? Are you really that excited at the prospect uh, of Donald Trump uh, securing a significant lead tonight? What is anything, is there anything tonight that's going to tell you uh, one way or the other that we're marching towards inevitability of Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Uh, Somebody says, Jesse Ventura was the last guy I voted for that I was excited about. Yeah, Jesse Ventura, he, he excited a lot of people. I just feel like okay. So let's let's play this out. So um, and we'll talk about this. By the way, former Governor Tim Pawlenty will join us tomorrow to recap uh, the results tonight. Uh, polling shows Donald Trump has you know twenty five to twenty eight percent lead over uh, both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. So what happens tonight? Well, what is the best case scenario if you don't want? Uh, Donald Trump to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Okay, Nikki Haley does better than expected. Ron DeSantis does better than expected. Is there any possible way that they gain enough momentum heading into New Hampshire and then in the other contests that come that we see a shift in power? Because I don't see it. I just feel like the Republican Party is now the party of Donald Trump. And people have already lined up to give endorsements reluctant as they may be, and you may feel like, boy, the, the, those folks don't believe any of that. Those supporters who, whether it's our Congress people in Minnesota who've come out in support of Donald Trump, don't buy that for a second, just to, they're, that they're merely falling in line, and that may be true. So where are the ones who have the guts to say something differently, to to say, I'm not going to support this man, or I'm going to vote against him? You got that wrong, Adam. People are very excited to vote for Trump no matter what is passed. You and Chad just don't get it. I guess we don't get it. I have, so how many of you are are out there that are super excited to vote for Donald Trump again? I don't think so. I, I really Maybe it's just because the people that I, I – and again, it's like most of my friends are conservative Republicans. And I don't – I can't think of one who is like, man, I can't wait to vote for Donald Trump again. That if there was another option, they absolutely would take it and feel better about it. But it's simply that they don't want to vote for Joe Biden again. And I get that. And how many people are really, truly saying, boy, Joe Biden has done a great job and he's, he's up for the job for four more years and I can't wait. They may feel that way about what he's done, but totally confident about him being the, the Democratic nominee again. 
Are you confident that he's going to beat Donald Trump again? Or do you feel like, boy, maybe it's Dean Phillips or maybe somebody else jumps in the race and says, suddenly that's, that's the person that you feel confident about. I voted for Trump twice, and there's no way in hell that I'd vote for him again. Mm. Another texter. I think it comes down to fear for a lot of people that they're afraid of what the other side represents and mm-hmm. what policies will come if the other side wins. Right. So they both are, si- Yeah, you're right. Yeah, on both sides. And we're voting out of that fear. And to that extent, I think people are sometimes excited about the candidate there. They go, I'm excited to vote for one of these guys because... I fear the opposite. Yes. And it's like a, it's a visceral fear. Yes. That it's no longer, boy, yep. I just, I'm concerned of some of the policies that uh, he'll enact. Now that, that has morphed into the, I fear that the country will be destroyed. And it's, um, if that person, and the is other elected. side is viewed as the enemy. Yes. And, and I think equally both directions, but the other side is not just somebody who might <clears throat> trumpet a cause I'm not into or might make a policy I don't like. Right. They're viewed as the enemy who's destroying America. Yes. And I think that's why people in some cases are excited to vote for a candidate, even that is unsavory, because they're so fearful that if the other guy wins, the country's going to... That vote is actually saving America. Yes. Uh, I won't be excited to vote for Trump again, but I will better than the puppet that is supposedly running things now. Well, that proves my point. That you're not voting <laughs> in full fervor. You're not voting out of excitement for one particular candidate, but rather uh, the person uh, you're voted against. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I would love to see some drama tonight to say, okay, though the polling was uh, not accurate, that there, and will weather have a factor that people just won't show up because it's bitterly cold there? It's even colder there than it is here. But I guess what does that drama look like? The the lead isn't as significant, and that uh, Nikki Haley and or Ron DeSantis perform a lot better than than have than anticipated because we've seen it before. I mean, you, you talk about sports being week to week, and you live you die, live and die with every week and every win and loss, and how you determine how the things are going to go for the rest of the season based on one performance. Politics is the absolutely the same way. I mean, a month from now, we could be having a very different conversation as to, wow, can you remember we all thought Trump was going to walk away with this thing? And, wow, now we got a competition. Not a lot of faith in that happening right now, but stranger things have happened. Like the Green Bay Packers making the playoffs and going into Dallas, Texas and dismantling the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I bring that up because we will uh, recap yesterday's wild card games. Still two more wild card games to be played tonight. Not terribly exciting football. You know, we we get to the playoff time and we hope that we have like a great wild card weekend filled with exciting games. Wasn't the case. One was relatively close, but that was about it. Uh, Brian Murphy, who we talk sports with on this show, who joins us uh, during the football season and beyond, he's a Detroit guy. We'll get his feeling that his Lions won the first won their first playoff game in 30 years, and the Packers, and I guess the larger conversation about what it means for the Minnesota Vikings moving forward. We'll get uh, to that with Murphy. Also, uh, what's going on with the Wild because they are oof, they're in a tailspin. Brian Murphy uh, from Bring Me the News and Purple Insider joins us next on WCCO. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 30 years ago, let's see, last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game, I believe I was a junior in high school, maybe even a sophomore. Brian Murphy joins us on the uh, John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline. Uh, he joins us to talk sports, writes for Bring Me the News, writes for a Purple Insider, as also a native of Detroit, Brian Murphy. Uh, your feelings about uh, your Lions last night, and really what was the only kind of competitive game of the weekend so far. Yeah, it was fun to watch. I mean, I, I had my brother in town to see my son's hockey tournament, mm-hmm. so we, we were able to, to watch and experience it together, had the various text chains going with friends and family. And, um, you know, it wasn't 30 years ago. It was 32 years 32 ago. Years, and I know yeah. this because it was January 5th, 1992, and I was there as a <laughs> sophomore in college at the old Pontiac Silverdome when they, they trounced Dallas yeah. uh, w- uh, with Barry Sanders. And I... I, you know, I used to kind of say it slyly with pride and somewhat embarrassment that they've had one playoff win in 65 years and I was there and now I don't have to say that anymore. So, um, yeah, it was quite impressive to see. It was really nice to see the scene at Ford Field and, and how electric it was. And, and yeah, I mean, as far as the competitive nature of the game, I mean, it was a nail biter and, and I, I was a little skeptical that they were going to hang on to that lead. I, I, I kind of thought maybe Stafford would find a way to, Matthew Stafford would find a way to, to exact his vengeance coming back to Detroit, but uh, they made the right plays, made enough plays, and, and Goff, uh, you know, made some, got some first downs at the end, and they were able to kneel it down and end it. And uh, and because of Dallas's meltdown, uh, lo and behold, they get a second home game now yeah. next Sunday against either Tampa or Philly, uh, who play tonight. So uh, the good vibes keep rolling in Motown. Uh, what a week for Michigan football! I was going to say, I, I mean, Michigan wins the national championship. The Lions are, are, are the roar has been restored finally, at least uh, for for another week. Yeah, and a lot of people thought the Rams were going to go in there. Surprisingly, we're going to go in there and, and win that game. There was lots of steam on the Rams before that game. Well, I mean, they were so hot. I yeah. think they won six of seven, or or however they finished the season. You know, to seize that wildcard spot and then of course you have the obvious storyline of Matthew Stafford who the Lions traded to LA uh, after he kind of said I want out of here and he had all of that momentum and you're thinking well you know it's been a nice little cute run for the Lions here but um, it might not have been the best ideal matchup but you know we've been saying the Lions look cute for a year now and from the time they walked into Arrowhead on Thursday night to open the NFL season and and took down the the Super Bowl champs I mean I think they've uh, you know, they've, they've kind of shown the country that, that they are uh, one of the NFC's elite. Now, I don't necessarily see them going into San Francisco possibly and winning an NFC championship game, but I certainly would feel a little better about their chances today than I did 24 hours ago. And we don't know, though, if the 49ers, if the Green Bay Packers well, may too. march I mean, into a... Uh, I, I agree. Yeah, you're right. I you mean, know? that's the beauty of the NFL, right? One and done. And nobody gave the Packers a chance yesterday. Uh, before uh, going into Dallas. And I'll tell you what, watching Jordan Love, 
I can just hear the collective <laughs> frustration with Minnesota Viking fans thinking, oh, my God, this kid is so good. And he's like, they got another quarterback. Now, I'm not Here ready to say I'm not ready to say he's going to win. You know, he's going to hoist one or multiple Lombardi trophies yet. But, boy, he was sure impressive. Yes, some of those throws that Jordan Love made yesterday were incredible. Yeah, I mean, peaking at the right time. I mean, and, and look, Dallas was, I think, had won 12 straight home games. They were perfect yeah. this season at home. Obviously heavily favored. Dak Prescott's an MVP candidate, number one offense in the league. You expect maybe if you know Green Bay had nothing but house money to play with, uh, you know, if they're competitive and love can and you know can earn some playoff stripes, it's it's a net positive. But uh, I mean, the Packers went in there and just dominated as if they belonged. And uh, there's something um, I don't know what it is. There's something um, deviously pleasurable about watching <laughs> Jerry Jones and the Cowboys squirm. Yes. Uh, I think uh, this America's team. We've been beaten over the head with it for 50 years that the Cowboys are America's team. I think mostly they're America's nemesis, and I think yeah. it, <laughs> they might you know, be the that I, might they might be the most hated team, certainly in the NFL, if not one of the most hated teams in pro sports. Because they they had anointed themselves yes. as America's team, and they get so much coverage and adulation. And we all know football's king in Texas, and Dallas is the biggest city. And you know, you can go. There's a reason they're that way. But it's also been 30 years since they've been to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so they've had you know a lot of regular season success over the years, but a ton of playoff failures. And I, I, I got to imagine Mike McCarthy's breathing his last breaths uh, with the Cowboys after uh, that kind of letdown at home. Uh, you know, and even their defensive coordinator Dan Quinn was the hot coaching pros- one of the hot head coaching prospects. But boy, they were shredded uh, defensively yesterday too. So. You know, you hear a little bit of chatter. Well, you know, Bill Belichick's there, and boy, Dallas would be. I can't see a Bill Belichick Jerry Jones marriage uh, just on its face. But the implications of that loss, if you know Quinn is sort of downgraded as a coaching candidate, McCarthy gets fired, Belichick's on the sidelines. You know, Jones is going to make a move that's going to be splashy. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue now surrounding the Cowboys. Yeah, I cannot believe just how badly they looked yesterday just so out of sorts that it is what again we see it in the nfl where it's you know teams show up and suddenly they just fall apart right before our very eyes and it's just and bravo to the packers for taking the ball right away yesterday and they march down score i think that had a lot to do with it to you know if you get that first punch in there but boy it was it was really incredible to see that well, and speaking, too, of deviously pleasurable, the emergence of Jordan Love as a top-notch quarterback yes. uh, has to make Packers fans gleeful that they, they cut bait with Aaron Rodgers yeah. a year ago uh, and went with the kid. And uh, now you got Rodgers just flailing away, speaking nonsense on podcasts while he nurses his, <laughs> his Achilles back to health, and the Jets are as big of a mess, if not more, since he arrived. Uh, so there's some pleasure, I'm sure, among Packers fans and Vikings fans in, uh, in watching Love now kind of really seize control of that franchise. And, and you're right, like nobody gave him a chance yesterday in Dallas. No one's going to give him a chance Saturday night in San Francisco. Uh, so maybe they are the, uh, the Cinderella team. If the slipper fits this, uh, this January, so be it. How about that? How about a Detroit-Green Bay NFC title game? And a third game at Ford Field. Yes, Nice. Uh, that would be some old school matchup there. Um, uh, th- now the larger conversation now for the Vikings because uh, the, obviously you've, the, you've got the Packers, the Lions, 
the Bears will have a couple of first-round draft picks, and things look uh, awfully concerning for your Minnesota Vikings now. I know your former colleague, Charlie Walters, uh, floating the idea of trading Justin Jefferson to a complete rebuild. I don't see that happening, but, boy, it sure exposes the problems that the Vikings have faced. And now with uh, with the GM, really, who hasn't, has kind of a lot of swings and misses with his draft picks so far. Yeah, I don't see that scenario playing out, but I don't, uh, you know, I see what Charlie's saying. Though. Yeah. I, don't, I think all options need to be on the table. Yes. I don't think there's yep. any sacred cows right now in terms of personnel or strategies um, because you are watching the rest of your division pull away from you. Um, the Lions clearly are the uh, in the lead. I mean, Goff is a little bit older, but he's not going anywhere, and he's getting better uh, and more steely by the season. You've got Jordan Ludd's love blossoming before our very eyes. Justin Fields had a pretty solid ending to his regular season in Chicago, they still haven't decided exactly what they're going to do with all that draft capital. I mean, they may end up trading him and drafting a quarterback, but they have a plan in place that involves youth and vigor at that position. The Vikings, on the other hand, are contemplating, as we all know, bringing back a soon-to-be 36-year-old, surgically repaired, very expensive quarterback who's given you one playoff win. So they have, they have a major philosophical decision to make about what they're going to do at quarterback. Do you roll it back with Cousins, try to get two more years out of him, keep him with Jefferson, keep the offense humming? Do you draft his successor, and now you're going to have the pressure of perhaps his, his cousin's successor breathing down his neck mm-hmm. if he should falter, or do you completely start over and draft one of these top quarterback prospects with the number 11 pick or, or trade to move up and even uh, move, improve your uh, draft status even more and completely start over and say, look, it's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. Um, but look what Jordan Love has done in his first season. Uh, he experienced all of it, and they're playing in the divisional round. So there's a case to be made for each one of those scenarios. you got to pay Jefferson. you got to figure it out at quarterback, and you're right. Quasi Adelsa has got to figure this out. This is the biggest offseason in his tenure in Minnesota. Uh, two games today. They moved the Buffalo. <laughs> the weather and crazy in Buffalo. Uh, they moved that game to today. Uh, they host the Steelers, and then it's the Eagles and Buccaneers tonight. The Eagles, boy, for you know most of the season, looked like they. You could argue that they were the best team in the NFL. They've fallen apart. Uh, I still feel like they can go in and uh, beat the Buccaneers tonight. I do, and I think they are favored for obvious reasons, but um, they're not going to have their top receiver. He's out. Uh, Jalen Hurts has got a, a, a broken finger or thumb, or he's, his throwing hand is damaged. And, and as you mentioned, there's a lot of bad juju and vibes going on with that team. Yes. They really, I think, lost five of six down the stretch. You know, Tampa, be, by virtue of winning their division, gets the home game. You know, Philly's got an awfully tough home field advantage they're not going to be able to lean on. Yeah. I think this one is as much of a toss-up as any of them. I don't even know. You know, Baker Mayfield's a little banged up. I mean, I view this one as, uh, yeah, six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, Philadelphia, though, has more at stake than Tampa does. Tampa's similar to, I think, Green Bay in that nobody expected them to be there, and they certainly don't expect them to do much. So how is Philly going to respond to all this adversity? I mean, there's still a team that's not that far removed from a Super Bowl championship. So, um, 
and then whoever wins this game is going to Detroit. So, you know, I don't, you know, San Francisco still seems like the class of the NFC. They're going to have to contend with a hot Green Bay team. Um, but I think the NFC seems to be pretty wide open. And, you know, you mentioned the game in Buffalo. Obviously, it's going to be a, the snow, I, I think, has stopped, but it's going to yeah. be a miserably cold, cold afternoon. The Bills are pretty accustomed to playing in that. You know, I, Kansas City showed up. Saturday night yep. in a bitter cold game and, and do, did what they normally do. Um, I still think it's uh, it's the Chiefs conference and and their their uh, uh, their Super Bowl journey to be disrupted. So we'll see what I think Buffalo may be their best uh, best nemesis. Yeah. But hey, don't sleep on Houston. C.J. Stroud and, and what Houston's been able to do has been incredible. Either I mean we're looking at a pretty. Uh, Pretty entertaining playoff bracket. Going yeah, forward. right. And you haven't even mentioned the Ravens, too, who many consider to be oh, the yeah, best team in the NFL. Yeah. All. Right, exactly. Uh, let's switch gears briefly in the minute or two we have left. Uh, the uh, the post-firing of Dean Evison, the boost they got from John Hines, uh, that is long gone uh, at the XL Energy Center. The Wilder reeling, obviously injuries have a lot to do with it, but um, oof, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs over there. I mean, they are the 27th ranked team out of 30 yeah. right now. I mean, we're not even talking just bottom of the West. I mean, they are the the bottom of the league. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned it, we've we've talked about it. There's always that shot of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. There's always that sense of okay, you know, it, it's too bad for Dean, but we got a breath of fresh air, and now we're suddenly got a boost of energy. But the the Wild are who they are. I mean, they, they are locked into a roster that is decaying. It is. Uh, hampered we know by salary cap issues you're right the injuries they had a spate of them to some key players i mean jared spurgeon their captain has barely played this season kaprizov came back the other day philip gustafson their number one goalie came back matt zuccarello has finally come back to the lineup they're still without jonas brodeen one of their top defensemen um but they are what they are they are they were a middling playoff contender who, who had a miserable opening to the season they had a nice 14-game stretch under Hines, but they're basically back to what they are, which is a mediocre team at best, and they're not even hitting that standard. So I think it's um, I think they're looking at a long slog here and, and probably going to be positioning for a draft pick. Yeah. One positive note, and I'll be brief, but if you look at Brock Faber, Matt Boldy, and Marco Rossi, this is the young core of this mm-hmm. team. They are thriving. They're playing well. They're getting big minutes. Uh, that's going to bode well for the future, but this is a, this is a team in serious need of a rebuild, yep. and it's going to come this off season. Yeah, finally, you know the NHL is one of those leagues where it's like you know making the I mean, so many teams make the playoffs, and you just kind of get mired in mediocrity when then you don't get the draft pick, and I think it's long overdue that uh, that they try to get one of those higher draft picks. And let's not forget the intrigue in the front office where you had a, yes. an assistant GM fired and, and, and GM Bill Guerin essentially muzzled for, you know, whatever they were bullying a team official. So it's been a miserable first half on and off the ice for the club. And um, I, I think at this point uh, you need to start looking ahead as, as opposed to concentrating on what's in front of you. Have a great week, sir. Thanks for the time. All right. Sounds good, everyone. Brian Murphy, bring me the news and a Purple Insider. Another a praise for another uh, local sports team, one that probably you didn't even know existed, but I do. Uh, that's next on CCO. Ten fifty-five. That is your Lindis Construction time check. Time to get fifty percent off installation labor on Infinity from Marvin Windows. The Adam and Jordana show. Jordana off all week uh, on vacation.
uh, which is a topic we're going to get to uh, next hour, by the way, in that why do so many people feel that they shouldn't take their full allotment of paid time off? And I want to hear from folks, maybe you're one of them, who says, no, I, I, I have a certain amount of vacation days, but I do not take them all. Uh, I want to know why. But if you haven't seen the University of Minnesota's dance routine um, that is making the rounds viral, check it out. And I'm so thankful that the U of M dance team is getting that attention because I am a dance dad. Both my daughters are on the dance team at South St. Paul, and those kids, and in this case women, are absolute, and actually, uh, and a man, there's a man on the U of M dance team too, are incredible athletes. And I think that they don't get enough credit for what they do. And I get it. You know, if you're a, if you're a dance family or dance dad, you, you, you realize the sacrifices you go through and it's not as sexy or as exciting as the other sports, certainly in college or high school. And I get that. And I don't anticipate that that'll change much, but got to give credit to those athletes. They do a heck of a job. And that dance that the U of M uh, is performing there is so good. What a, Presses you most about the dance world? I think a lot of the sports that aren't the kind of yep. top fold sports we overlook because it's you... like you know it's a period of three minutes where absolute the body control, the muscles used, and just the ability to do what they do is incredible. And you have to be in pretty good shape to do that, just like in other sports. But I think it's yes, it's that you're giving it your all for about three minutes, and it's all about precision movements, controlling your body. And I think to do that, especially with a whole group of people, is pretty impressive. So, so check out uh, that uh, dance by the U of M dancers. Paid time off. Do you use yours? And if not, why? That's next on WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 